We're going we're gonna to get to one tonight, so this is like a confession, and when, when Robin mentioned hers, it made me think that I should admit this confession from high school. <clears throat> I hadn't thought about this in a while, but we actually, our youth group studied Proverbs whenever I was in high school, and we, we had our own way of quoting Proverbs. Um, the one that comes to mind, and we'll get to it, there's, a, there's a, a passage that says, as a door turns on its hinges... So a lazy man turns in his bed. And we'll read that in a minute, because we're going to look tonight at the characteristics of a lazy person. But as a door just turns on its hinges, so a man rolls one side to the other in his bed. Well, the way we translated that um, in, in our group of friends that ran around after studying Proverbs, if somebody acted like they were being lazy, even if it was something like, hey, let's go play basketball tonight, and somebody's like, I'm too tired. Somebody would make that screeching noise that like an old screen door makes when you open it when it needs WD-40 real bad, that when the hinges just screech, like on an old farmhouse and the screen door, I won't make that noise for you now. It's very annoying. But we would make that noise to each other. That was our way of quoting, um, you're like a door just turning on its hinges. You're too lazy to go do. The other one we would quote in our own way was the one that says, a quarrelsome, nagging, complaining, whining wife is like a constant dripping. You know, that proverb is just like, just like a faucet that won't quit. Just, and we happened to have <clears throat> um, a girl in our youth group that we felt like fit that. Whining, complaining, constantly wanting to fight and argue. Then one of our best friends started dating her. Jody started dating her. And any time, whether it was on a youth retreat or a camp or at church or at high school, when she would show up in one of those moods, just complaining and whining and griping, and one of us would go drip, 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 drip just to remind Jody that that's what he was dating was a drip drip. The funny part of that was on a youth retreat one time, her dad, the girl that we thought was a drip drip, her dad went as a sponsor. Um, we loved him. His name was Gene. He knew the Bible. We didn't realize he would catch on. And she got in one of those moods, and one of our buddies went drip drip. And he smiled, and he goes, you're absolutely correct. We're like, oh my gosh, he knows Proverbs and he knows his daughter. And he's like, you got that right. I was like, oh my gosh. So anyway, we did the screeching door and the drip drip was our way of quoting some of our favorite Proverbs. Anybody else have one that comes to mind before we dive in tonight? A proverb you know and love or means a lot to you? Okay, well, I wanted to do a few character studies. So we did what's a friend look like? And if you remember, I won't go over all of them, but there are verses that talk about consistency. He loves at all times. You don't forsake your friends. His candor, faithful are the wounds of a friend. You can, you can trust his honesty. His counsel, 27.9 says the sweetness of a friend is found in his earnest counsel. And then we ended with just some courtesy things. He doesn't overstay his welcome. He's compassionate. He knows about timing. So the four C's of great friendships in the book of Proverbs was last week. Tonight, I want to look at what Proverbs says about laziness. Someone who's slack in his work is the way sometimes Proverbs describes it. The term most often used in Proverbs for this individual is a sluggard. We don't use that word a lot, but in a lot of translations, that's the way it's translated. A lazy man is presented in many different ways in the book of Proverbs. Some of them are almost funny. Um, none of them are complimentary. Now, I want to say just a word about balance here before we look at the characteristics of a lazy person. And I'm just going to be honest. As we go through them, 
Um, I've tried to put them in order so you don't have to be thumbing back and forth. It'll oh, we'll just be moving through the book of Proverbs, front to back, and looking at these characteristics. Uh, some of them will probably show up to varying degrees in all of our lives. So tonight is just if the shoe fits and you realize that characteristic shows up a little in your life, just own it and talk to the Lord about it and try to remove it. But I want to talk about balance here just for a minute because God paints a very negative picture of laziness in the book of Proverbs, and rightly so. You get to the New Testament, and he doesn't change any. Ephesians 4.28, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he could have something to share with those in need. Rather than being a thief, be a really, really hard worker so that you could actually have a surplus so that you could be generous when you meet somebody who needs it. So rather than stealing, the goal was to be actually become a giver, and you have to work really hard to do that. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, however you work, work heartily as to the Lord, not for men. So when you work, give your all. Whatever you find to do with your hands, do it with all your heart, one translation says. But the God who says that in Ephesians and Colossians and paints this picture in Proverbs is also the God who created the Sabbath. It's also the Lord who, in the Gospels, several times pulled his disciples away from the crowds so they could rest and be refreshed. So there's a balance presented in the Bible of rest being a good thing, and God even built it into creation as a pattern for us, and not being lazy. <clears throat> and sometimes we have to seek the Lord's wisdom as to when we need rest and when it crosses the line into just not wanting to work and be lazy. So it's a balancing act there at times. Rest is important and laziness is condemned. David Atkinson, an Old Testament scholar from England, he, he summarized laziness this way. It's just one sentence. The beginning part of the sentence I had thought about before, the last phrase in it I don't know that I'd ever thought about, but the longer I've thought about it, the more I think he's onto something. Dr. Atkinson says, Laziness is an abandonment of responsibility. I think I've thought about it in those terms. Laziness is an abandonment of responsibility. Then he went on to say, oftentimes it is a failure of love. Oftentimes laziness is a failure of love. If there are things I'm responsible for as a father, and I'm lazy and I abandon those responsibilities, is that in some way also a failure to love? If there are some things I'm supposed to do, they're my responsibility as a husband, and yet it's just too much effort, and so I'm lazy, and I don't do them. I abandon those responsibilities as a father or a husband or as an employee or as a son. If there are certain things I owe my mom and dad, but it takes effort and work to actually do that, and I abandon those responsibilities, is that also maybe, at its heart, a failure of love? So with that said, what does Proverbs say about the lazy man? I'll put them in order. We'll start with Proverbs chapter 6, if you want to turn there. We're just going to take a minute on each one of these, because there's several, and I'll try to keep moving very quickly. Don't stress out when I say this, because I'm going to show you how fast I can go. I'm going to give you ten characteristics of the sluggard in Proverbs. If on any one of them the shoe fits, 
Raise your hand. No, don't do that. If the shoe fits, just acknowledge it with the Lord and figure out what you could do about it. Proverbs 6.6. 6. Maybe the classic proverb on laziness. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from sleep? Now, the first two characteristics that I want to point out come from this passage. The first one is that a lazy man requires constant supervision. A lazy man requires constant supervision. God wants us to learn from the ant. It's never a good thing when the centerpiece of God's creation, mankind, has to go to the tiny ant to learn a lesson. And yet that's what God's wanting us to do. The ant works without a supervisor. The, the ant works without a ruler. The ant works without the threat of being fired. The lazy man needs to learn from the ant and be wise. The sluggard in this example lacks initiative. There's no self-motivation for the lazy person. He has to be motivated by somebody else. There has to be a ruler or a supervisor or an authority figure, or he or she doesn't really get much work done. This person only works when others are watching or when they're forced to work. They're, they can't light the fire in themselves to get after it. Somebody else has to light the fire for them. So he says, consider the ant. They work without having a boss. I thought about this verse um, last week. I bring concurrent students over three days a week that are seniors at Clinton, and they're taking classes at Swasu. And I was laughing. All of us on the shuttle were laughing at one of the girls because a guy asked her, hey, are any of your classes um, this semester those self-paced ones that you take online? And she said, I could never take those. The self-paced ones where you do the work at your pace and just be done by the end of the semester and you never actually go to class, it's all online. She said, I would never get any work done if I didn't have the professor, and here's was her words, riding me every day. She said, I would put off till like the last week of November and then I'd be like, all right, I better get online and see what I need to do. She's admitting, I wanted to say, hey, go to the ant. Because that's, that's the person. If you don't have somebody riding you, you just don't work it. She at least admitted that's who she is, so she better take classes where she needs to show up Monday, Wednesday, Friday. She needs a supervisor. That's a characteristic of somebody that couldn't self-motivate themselves. The second example of a lazy person also comes from this passage. A lazy man is marked by procrastination. It's not just that they have to have constant supervision, but they always are putting things off. If you look at verse 9, the question basically being asked is, how long will you wait and when will you start? How long will you lie there and when will you arise and get started? If it's going to take significant effort and work, the lazy person just puts it off. Why do today what I can postpone till tomorrow? That's kind of the motto they live by. And I, I'm, I'm going to assume, there could be some of you that are not like this, but there's probably a little bit of this in all of us. Not many students that have a big test on Monday start studying for hours on Friday night. Why would you do that when you have Saturday? And if something comes up on Saturday, you have Sunday. And if something comes up on Sunday, you have Sunday night. 
and you put off and put off and put off. We procrastinate till there's a deadline. That's a sign of laziness, at least according to Proverbs 6. We actually fail to understand that there are sometimes we should work early even if the reward doesn't come till later. You don't have to turn there. It's another proverb that backs up this second characteristic. Proverbs 20, chapter 4 says, The sluggard does not plow in autumn, but he will seek at harvest and then have nothing. It, it's time to plant, but I'm going to put it off. Because if I plant today and do all that work, I'm not going to have anything to eat today. And, and the lazy people don't seem to understand that there are some days you work really hard and there's no benefit for it that day. But there will be in the future. And they just think if there's no benefit today, then I'll just put it off till the future. So a lazy man constantly needs supervision, and he's also marked by procrastination. Those are the first two that come from Proverbs 6. Turn over a couple chapters to Proverbs 10. We get another characteristic of what laziness looks like according to the Bible. Proverbs 10, 26. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard, or the lazy man, to those who send him. The third characteristic I would give you is that a lazy man is a disappointment to those who depend on him. He's a disappointment to those who depend on him. I've sat around enough campfires in my life. I hope you have if you enjoy doing that, going around and being with people. But I've sat around enough, and, and the wind begins to blow the smoke in your eyes. And pretty soon, everybody moves from that end of the fire, and everybody's kind of crammed in a horseshoe around and letting the smoke. Then the wind changes direction and starts blowing the other way, and pretty soon, everybody's moving their chairs because constant smoke in your eyes is miserable. And yet, that's the picture that's painted in Proverbs chapter 10, of the individual, if they're lazy and you give them an important task, what that's going to feel like to you is constant smoke in your eyes. You're going to be disappointed if you give lazy people an important task. Why is that? Well, in Proverbs chapter 10, you're sending them on an important errand. If you're sending them, you're no longer with them. And we learned in chapter 6 that lazy people need constant supervision. So if you send them, you're not there to ride them or keep them on task. And you're going to be disappointed. They're not dependable at all. And I always got to thinking about this. This reputation of being lazy starts early in life. Uh, I was thinking about our elementary school teachers here. Even by third, fourth, fifth grade young children are getting a reputation of either they're dependable and trustworthy or they're lazy and can't stay on task. So that if a teacher needed to send an important something to the office at the school, there's some kids even in that fourth grade class that they're never going to pick because they can't stay focused for the three minutes it takes to get the sheet to the office. So you don't send them Proverbs 10 because they're lazy. They're probably not going to get it done the way you wanted it done, but there's other people you'll pick them every time. You're like, yeah, she's dependable, he's dependable, never. I'm not sending you to do anything. Some students you would never choose, and it's just because Proverbs 10 is true. You're going to be disappointed like smoke blowing in your eyes. So a lazy man's a disappointment to those who depend on him. Turn over to chapter 12. Give you another summary statement on lazy people. Chapter 12, verse 27. 
This is one of those almost funny but sarcastic proverbs about lazy people. Whoever is slothful will not even roast his game. Let me give you the fourth characteristic. I'll summarize it and see if I can explain why I say it this way. A lazy man often doesn't finish what he starts. He oftentimes doesn't finish what he starts. <clears throat> we learned on the second characteristic of a lazy person that they procrastinate. Sometimes they don't ever start. <clears throat> but when they actually do start a project that's going to take some work, months may go by and they've just quit in the middle of it and they don't finish it. It's half finished forever. When this person actually has some game to roast, he doesn't even roast it. Now, here's why I say he starts but doesn't finish. This passage says it's his game. The assumption is it's game that he hunted and killed. Otherwise, it'd be somebody else's game. So he went hunting or he went fishing. He did the initial part. And when he gets back home, the job's not over yet. But he's, he's out of energy. He's not going to finish the project. All he had was enough to get it started. But he gets home, and building a fire and preparing it and cooking it, that's too much work. Started the project, and then laziness kicks in. He paints quite a picture, even in these early characteristics of laziness. Constant supervision procrastinates, disappoints people around him, and doesn't finish what he starts. Maybe the hardest verse we'll look at tonight, the, the, um, the most devastating of the verses on laziness, is the next one in, verse, in chapter 18, verse 9. I thought about this one quite a while because I... I, I don't naturally think this way, and God has to help me think this way. I'll tell you how I tend to think incorrectly. Proverbs 18.9 says, Whoever is slack in his work is brother to him who destroys. So the fifth characteristic I would give you is that a lazy man's impact is never neutral. A lazy person's impact is never neutral. We might be tempted, and here's the way, guys, I'm tempted to think about people that are, that are lazy. I tend to think of them as dead weight. I hated in school, I hated it when I went to college and we did group work. I hated it when professors signed group work, because if you get five or six people on a group project, there's always going to be somebody that's totally happy with a C, and that's the effort you get out of them. And they pull the whole group down. So I was like, just make it individual assignments. Don't make me work with people, especially if you assign the groups. If you let me pick the other people that are wanting to make A's and work hard. But I tended to think of them just as dead weight. They're like, I'm going to have to do more work and carry more than my share, and somebody else probably will be too because of dead weight, somebody who's slack in their work. They're just lazy. But it's not that bad if you don't do your part. It just means somebody else has to do more. But chapter 18, verse 9 seems to be saying that when you leave work undone, you're closely related to somebody that's destroying the work. To leave it undone is like being a brother to somebody who actually comes at night after the work's been done and tears the work back down, destroys the work. Someone who's slack in their work is brother to somebody who destroys. In my mind, I don't naturally put them in that category, but I should. I tend to think like this. 
<clears throat> you can kind of divide people into three groups. There's people who work hard and build up. There's people in the middle that are just lazy and don't do anything. And then there's people who actually tear down. They're negative. And I think in terms of those three groups, Proverbs 18.9 says God actually puts the middle group and this group together. If you're lazy and slack in your work, you're brother to the one who destroys. So in God's way of thinking, you might have the people that are working real hard and building up, and then you got everybody else, and they're actually, there is no neutral impact, there's negative impact, even on the people that aren't doing anything. To be lazy is to be brother to one who destroys. So a lazy man often doesn't finish what he starts, chapter 12, and a lazy man's impact is never neutral, chapter 18. Well, chapter 21, if you'll turn there with me, I'll give you another characteristic of a lazy person. This one doesn't hurt anybody but themselves. This is a good characteristic of laziness, but it's all aimed at the person who is lazy. <clears throat> chapter 21, verse 25. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. All day long he craves and craves but the righteous gives and does not hold back. The sixth characteristic I would give you is that a lazy man's heart is restless and unsatisfied. This verse uses words like he has desires that actually kill him. And then it uses the word all day long he craves and craves. He actually has things he wants out of life. He's not willing to lift a finger to go after them. So he has the desires, he has the cravings, he has no self-motivation to go do them. He refuses to work. Guys, working toward a goal or putting together a plan and working toward a dream, that's a good thing in life. This man has the dreams, he has the goals, but he's not willing to work toward them. And that makes him very discontent. It makes him miserable. I think God knew, as he set up even the pattern in creation, that maximum effort and work followed by rest. And then another season in our life of maximum effort and work and giving our all, and then a chance to catch our breath and rest. That pattern in life is a good pattern. That's why vacations are important. That's why weekends are important. That's why in the Old Testament the Sabbath was so important. Give maximum effort. Work hard. Give it your all. Then catch your breath. Then do it again. But a wasted life of just constant laziness only brings a restless and unsatisfied heart. That's what Proverbs 21 says. People think, well, if I could just be lazy and not do anything, I'd have life made. And Proverbs says, no, actually, you're still going to want things you can't have and you're going to have desires and cravings that kill you and you can't have them. So work is presented in Proverbs as a good thing. Well, two more passages, and we'll get the last four characteristics. Turn to Proverbs chapter 24, a couple more chapters over. This is another one of those um, kind of classic passages on laziness in the Bible. Pro Proverbs 24, verse 30. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man who lacked sense. And behold, it was overgrown with thorns, the ground was covered with needles, and its stone wall was broken down. 
Then I saw and considered it. I looked and I received instruction. I think it's interesting. <clears throat> the writer of Proverbs 24 can never let an object lesson go by. Just walking along, he's looking for ways to get wisdom. So when he walks by someone's farm that's totally overgrown, they're not working it, and the stone wall that's around it that's supposed to keep the animals out, and it's all broken down. And he's like, I wonder what I can learn from looking at this farm. Because everything, God could teach me something through anything. So the writer says, I stopped and I just stood there and I considered it for a while. What can I learn from looking at this wreck of a farm? And he says, here's what I learned, verse 33. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. The seventh characteristic I would give you of laziness is that a lazy man's laziness usually starts small. It usually starts small. Three times in this passage it says just a little. A little more sleep, a little extra slumber, a little extra rest. Just a little is where this man's problem started. I'm not talking about biblical rest. God wants us to have rest. I'm talking about someone whose vineyard is overgrown with thorns, whose field is absolutely covered up, and whose fence is broken down. And when he looks at his place like that, he decides it's time for more rest. It's time for more sleep. And he wants just a little more. The first steps toward laziness, guys, are usually little steps. That's the way it is with a lot of sin in our life. Just a little compromise here. I'm just going to cut the corner here just a little bit. No one's watching there, so I think I can do a little less. A little laziness creeps into my life, and then it grows. Your stone wall doesn't break down in one day. Your field didn't become overgrown overnight but it starts small. And as long as you keep saying, I just need a little more rest, a little more sleep, a little more slumber, a little more folding of the hands, once it starts small, it begins to grow. I want to stop for just a minute and apply this passage in Proverbs 24 to a little bit different area than maybe you're thinking right now. We tend to think of laziness in terms of work. Physical. <clears throat> Or we tend to think of laziness in terms of academics, like studying. I'm just, I'm lazy in my studies. I want us to think for, for, for just a moment about laziness in our spiritual lives. Not work, not academics, but in my spiritual life, in my walk with God. Because laziness creeps in little by little there as well. Charles Bridges, who um, has written a great little commentary in the Crossway series on Proverbs, has a, has a great paragraph about spiritual laziness, and he challenges Christians to think through whether this could ever happen in our religion. Could our spiritual life ever look like this farm in Proverbs 24? Where spiritually speaking, our stone walls are broken down, and our fields are overgrown, and the thorns have taken over, and what should be a beautiful farm has become a barren wasteland spiritually 
because we just think we need a little more rest, a little more sleep. We don't put out any effort spiritually. And he says the road to heaven is long and hard and it's filled with lots of toil. And if you decide you're not willing to labor any on your walk toward heaven, your spiritual life will begin to look like this man's farm. So may I challenge us just to think for a minute tonight about our laziness in regards to our spiritual life. Because I would argue it starts small there too. Missing a few days meeting with the Lord turns into meeting a few, missing a few Sundays at church turns into I used to actually serve rather than just attend and now I don't serve anymore. There are places I could plug in and use my gifts, but I don't. I've slipped into neutral I'm not laboring, I'm not working. And I would argue that when we do that, days turn into weeks, and weeks turn into years. And pretty soon you look back and you think, I remember when I was hot in my walk with God? But it started small. It started with just days, till the days became weeks and the weeks became years. So don't just think of laziness in terms of physical and work and a job. But think of it also in terms of our spiritual life, our walk with God. Are we laboring and working? Or as we grow lazy, does it shut down our prayer life? Does it take away our watchfulness where we're alert as a Christian? Does it begin to infect all those areas, but it's on the spiritual side? Well, laziness requires constant supervision. They procrastinate, disappoint people who depend on them. They tend to not finish what they start. They're not neutral. They're a brother to one who destroys. It creates a restless and unsatisfied heart, and laziness often starts in the little things. Last passage, Proverbs 26. The last three characteristics all come from this passage and will be done. Proverbs 26, verse 13. And here's the... Verse 14 is that verse we um, came up with our own way to quote in high school where we made the creaking sound of a, of a door turning on its hinges. But verse 13, the sluggard says, there's a lion in the road, there's a lion in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in his dish and it wears him out to even bring it back up to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Well, the last couple of characteristics, and I'll just mention them in closing. But when it says that um, he comes up with these excuses, like, hey, there's, I, I can't go out and work. I, I might get killed. There's a lion. There could be a lion out there. The eighth characteristic is that a lazy man creates excuses to justify his laziness. The same thing is said in chapter 22, verse 13. And the same excuse, there might be a lion, there might be a wild animal out there that could kill me. I better just stay home today and not work. That is a crazy excuse to justify not working. Can't leave home today because a wild animal might attack me and I'd be killed. But have, have you ever heard some of the crazy excuses people actually do come up with? Um, For years at another church I worked at before our insurance company told us we couldn't, when people would come in for benevolence or need help, um, we would offer to put them to work. 
it was a great way to sort out who really wanted help. Because actually, when you figured the rate we were paying, we'd have uh, like a family come in and they'd say, hey, we ran out of gas on the interstate. Um, can you give us gas money? And I remember we told a man one time, um, we would love to do that, but we also think the Bible promotes work. And so if you would help on the flower beds out here in front of the church, if you would spend an hour helping us dig weeds out of that, we'll give you $40 to put in your gas tank. We never gave him cash, but we'd go with him. That's $40 an hour for pulling weeds. That's a, that's a decent rate of pay. And they'd be like, I ain't pulling weeds. I can't I hurt my back. We had a lady one time, we said, listen, we'll pay to fill your tank. And we had lots of like glass doors, and we said, we'll give you some paper towels and Windex. And if you'll just clean all these windows for us, then we'll... She's like, who do you think I am? I'm not cleaning windows. I was like, well, you must not really need gas. I mean, that's, it's air-conditioned in here, and we just want, we just like you to do something, and it lets you sort out. There are other people that are like, I'll do anything you want. I mean, if it needs done around here, I'll do it. But the excuses we heard over the years for why they couldn't do just regular work were almost as crazy as there's a lion in the road. I can't go out. So lazy people create excuses that in their mind justify why they can't give maximum effort to a project. Number nine, when he talks about a lazy person will put his hand in the bowl but not even bring it back up to eat, that's another sarcasm, that's an exaggeration uh, in a sense, <clears throat> but it points out the ninth truth that a lazy man may even neglect the necessary things in life. Lazy people become so lazy that they neglect the necessary things. It's not the extra big things in life. They become lazy and expect other people to take care of the basic things in life. Any serious effort is too much effort to ask of them. Complete laziness. And they won't even do the most basic work in life, like feeding themselves. And the tenth one, the last one that comes from this passage, Verse 16 says, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven sensible people who really could answer. <clears throat> the tenth characteristic is that a lazy man is sometimes the last one to see it. He's the last one to see that he's lazy. Because in his own eyes, he's wiser than everybody else. So if you actually went and talked to him or her and say, listen, you, you're kind of just half-hearted doing this. You're... You're just doing the bare minimum that's required, or you're only doing this when you have supervision, or you always procrastinate, or you start lots of things and never finish them, or you start to point out some of these things. <clears throat> you may never get him or her convinced because in his own eyes, he's wiser than everybody else. He can justify his own laziness, and he or she just can't see it because in his eyes, he's wiser than everybody else. His lazy lifestyle, he's actually justified and can defend it and he thinks he's wiser than the people that actually give maximum effort and work. And so sometimes he or she's the last one to see that actually the sluggard described in Proverbs is describing them. So it's 10 characteristics out of Proverbs that to me are very practical. They're real life on what it means to not give maximum effort. Um, and I, I'll, just, I'll just tell you the reason this is so important for Christianity, for Christians, is because how we work reflects to the world on our Savior. When he had a massive task in front of him, he took it, the Bible says, he went to the cross with joy. You know, talk about a rough day's work, dying on the cross to pay our sin debt. And the Bible says he actually took on that assignment with joy. Everything Christ did, he did with all his heart. He never halfway did any job. 
and we reflect that kind of work ethic, we, re we reflect that kind of integrity to the world whenever we, if we say yes, we're going to do it, we keep our word and we give it maximum effort and we don't let laziness slip in. I've told students for years, if you could be an A student and you settle for being a C student just because it's easier, that doesn't honor Christ. You might as well give a little more effort and become the student God gave you the ability to be. And so what we can do as God gives us the opportunity, as we see privileges that God gives us, those come with responsibility to give our very best. And Proverbs paints a pretty negative picture of laziness. Well, thank you for being here. Um, we'll keep doing some of these character studies, like what's a friend look like, what's a lazy person look like, and then some other things in Proverbs as we have time. It's, it's a good book. God, thank you for your people. Thank you for their attention to your word. Forgive us when we're lazy. Don't let us be like the man that's wise in his own eyes and can't see it. Give us the ability to see into our own lives where we fall short, and then by your grace, forgive us, pick us up, and get us moving again. Help us do that for each other in Christ's name.